Hello and welcome to a new English edition of my podcast Helium Talk, das Kunstgespräch. My name is Jörg Heikhaus and my guest today is Benjamin Murphy, visual artist from England and co-founder of the Delphian Gallery. How are you, man? How are you today? Yeah, pretty good. Yeah, can't complain. A little bit, little bit concerned that I might have a broken ankle, but aside from that, all right. that I'm all right. From skateboarding yeah. or? Yeah. Oh, wow. Sorry. Sorry to hear that, man. Yeah. Should we just get into it then? Yeah, man. I'm ready when, ready when you are. Yeah. All right, cool. So was, was art always the only option for you or is there, was, what was your path into becoming an artist? Um, no, art wasn't, uh, to be honest, I didn't consider art as an option even really until um, much later in life than I think people might imagine. I think I was probably 21, 22. Mm -hmm. um, as a child, I was kind of, I had a lot of energy, but it was very directionless and I didn't really focus in school. I wasn't really, um, didn't find it interesting. Um, and so I kind of, um, didn't really put any energy into it and I didn't really I wasn't a bad kid but I wasn't I wasn't a good kid either really um and so when I was approaching GCSE age so I was like 15 16 um you have to choose which uh GCSEs you want to do so you get to drop things that you don't so it's, it's like courses, it's like courses that you do at school to make yeah. your final exams okay yeah similar yeah so um I dropped things like history and geography and religious education. I chose the more practical things like mm -hmm. um, art and um, wood technology. Um, and during art, and I basically chose them because they were kind of the easiest easiest subjects and the ones that I could get away with most in. I can relate um, to that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I quite liked doing things with my hands, being practical. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and so, yeah, when I was doing art my um i had a really good teacher basically for my final year um she's called miss henson um and she actually i can pin it down to pretty much one day one instance i was being a bit of a nightmare and she basically made me sit in a corridor on my own um, and i had to sit in this corridor for like three full weeks of art lessons um and she gave me uh two really ornate glass bottles on a mirror And I had to just sit there on my own and draw them. And I couldn't, I was not sat near anyone else. So I couldn't, I couldn't do anything but draw these bottles. Um, and after a while, I kind of got into it. Um, and that was the beginnings, I suppose, of me being interested in drawing. Um, but I didn't take drawing seriously for a long time after that, even. Um, I decided I didn't want to stay at school after my GCSEs. So I left at 16, but I also didn't want to get a job in like a supermarket or mm -hmm. what everyone else in my hometown was doing. Um, so she encouraged me to go to art college. I did that. And then for the same reason, when I was finishing that, I didn't want to get a job in a supermarket. I went to university. Um, not that there's anything wrong with working in a supermarket, by the way. Some of my friends do. No. Um, but um, I basically wanted to avoid joining the real world. So I did graphic design at university um from very early on in that degree i realized i'm not a designer um but again i had a good teacher who let me just draw um and so yeah it was kind of just a lot of um avoiding the real world and avoiding responsibility and and um just doing what i found easiest maybe maybe i took the easy way out and becoming an artist maybe that's it in the long run maybe it's 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 an easy way when you're starting out but it's in the long run it's um it's a decision that you know so it's not having an education and not i mean we have an education but nothing not you know sort of aiming for a profession that gives you security for the rest of your life um um, that's not necessarily the easy way, you know, I think in the beginning, it might look like that when you're an artist and say, okay, I'm just, you know, I don't want to face the real world, but it's, there's a real world that you, that, you know, that surrounds you and that you somehow have to, you know, sort of deal with at some point, you know, so. Yeah, I think, I, th I think in looking back, because nowadays I have like a real passion for learning. Mm -hmm. I think at the time when I was at school, I was maybe not challenged in the right way. Um, and so 
when I um, started exhibiting and started thinking about art as a career, it felt like this really intense learning curve. And I felt like, and I still kind of feel like I'm out of my depth a lot of the time. And I don't know what's going on and I have to totally wing it. And I really like that feeling, the chasing, chasing the understand, like developing an understanding of something and, and building on knowledge I have a real passion for. And I think art's a really good um, arena to be doing that in. I think that might be why. Yeah. Um, hold on, I'm just, oh, no, you're back. Um, yeah, I, 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 I see that point, but I mean, it's, um, it, it's, it's a decision that I have high respect for if you just, you know, taking that way. Not many people probably do. I'm not sure how your parents reacted when you said you, you're going to do art and not, you know, sort of take a real job. Um, I mean, with me, I'm a little bit older, so my, it's, it's a very long time ago. <laughs> So my parents just had to, you know, sort of live at that. But um, yeah, I think it's it's um, it's it's something that when you when you get into art, it might, as I said earlier, might look like an easy decision, but you kind of have to find your way in there. And that's not just because you, I mean, you just not say just doing art, but there's when you look at your work today. I mean, that's basically all the work that I know because that's most of the work that's visible now is the work that that is online and that I can see from here and that's um that is very distinct you know sort of you have a very specific style and a very specific way to work when did you when did you develop you know, sort of like your own voice in art when did that start um well i think so this is because i'm a lecturer at university and we'll with with delphian i'm sure we'll talk about these things in mm -hmm. a bit but yeah. with delphian basically we do a lot with emerging arts and one of the things that i get asked a lot is about creating your own personal style and I think the wording of that question is kind of wrong because I think creating a personal style is impossible because mm -hmm. that that is like a, a decision you make to to create your own style it's not going to be authentic um, and so I think style emerges through just repetitive actions and so when you do something over and over again you just naturally your brain makes these um these little it fills in little gaps for you and make and you do things um subconsciously without thinking about them and then the more of those subconscious like little um shortcuts that your mind makes when you're doing something that's how your style i suppose emerges so for example whenever i draw and this is an example i've given before so forgive me if anyone's heard this but when i draw a human eye i I only really see them in one way now, like the mind becomes lazy. And so when I draw an eye, I kind of draw them pretty much the same way in every, every drawing. I mean, that's not to say that all of the eyes look the same and, and whatever, but like my brain lazily chooses which elements to include and which to ignore. Um, and that kind of thing happens with everything. And I think that's where style comes from. Um, so, yeah, so I think, trying to make your own style. I think when you start out, a lot of artists will copy the, the work of other artists and, oh, yeah. and emulate things they like. And I think that's great because that you're, you're learning technique essentially. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, your own, it's about finding your voice rather than creating it, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah, I think uh, style is probably not the, the, the best term for it. The voice is, you know, sort of having your, that's like what, I mean, Basically, what you want to say with your arts of voices is, is is the best thing. When when did you when did you start to work in the way that you're working in right now? And um, and and where do you think that that's based upon? You just mentioned the fact that, of course, as an artist, especially in the times that we live or we started out as artists, so especially today, you see all these. Basically, you have so much visual influence that when when I was growing up, you know, sort of we had museums. Barely, hardly ever went to galleries because they were like you kind of didn't feel like you were allowed to be in there yeah. um and um and you looked at books a lot art books you know and at school you know you talked about the big masters and i come from a, uh, i come from cologne and i was raised in a in a smaller town outside of cologne where um which was the the the, the town where max ernst was born so max ernst is a very influential artist for me because i found that always extremely interesting through the 
you know, sort of because he, it was kind of close. He was part of this place where I was, you know, growing up. Um, and so I definitely took some influences from there. Even if you don't see them in my art, you probably have never seen them in my art. But that was, there were little resources that you could go to. And now um, you go to the internet, you go to Instagram. And and it's, I th for me, I think it's very difficult today for a young artist to, to really decide, you know, maybe it's it, maybe it's a subconscious des decision to say, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna paint figurative, I'm gonna try this out, I'm gonna try to work with with several techniques. But you're always probably it's probably always easy for people now to compare things, you know, like um, yeah, I've seen this before, I've seen this before, and 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 so how do you find, you know, sort of coming back to that, how do you find your own voice in that? I mean. The best way would probably to shut everything out at some point, um, but that's I think these days almost impossible to do. Yeah, I think um, uh, yeah, I think it's about finding some sort of balance. Mm -hmm. I think for so you you, you kind of touched upon uh, the work I'm currently making and how mm -hmm. how long I've been doing that. It's actually not that long to be honest. Um, so I work predominantly now with charcoal on raw canvas. Um, and I've only been doing that about a year and a half. Um, and before that, I was working, I was making work with just black tape, essentially black electrical tape um, on glass. And I was doing that for a, a, quite a number of years. Um, and, and it's very precise and very clean and very detailed um, and repetitive. Um, and I was doing that for, yeah, for a number of years and I was exhibiting that work and I was, um, I was exhibiting the work I was selling and stuff. And so I started to feel a little bit trapped by it, maybe subconsciously, but I started to, I started to feel like my work was getting quite um, formulaic. So I was, I mean, when, when I compare one of my works from like six years ago to one of them from three years ago, I don't see a huge leap in progression really. Um, and I think it's because I'd, been making that work I've been exhibiting it and I was kind of feeling like I had to continue on the same route and almost give people what they expected and so I didn't feel like I had the freedom to just experiment and play and have fun with my work and so a year and a half ago I decided actually I I need to be the person I, I need to be excited by my own work and if I'm not then what's the point in making it anyway so even if I so I'd wanted to kind of change it up and experiment more for a long time, but I hadn't done um, because I thought, well, maybe what if people don't give a shit anymore? What if nobody's interested? But I thought if I'm making it and I'm not interested in it, then why does it matter if anyone else is? So I decided to change it up a bit. And then, and so now I'm drawing, I feel like I have a lot more freedom. Like say, for example, I did a, the last artwork I did was of a, a bird, a heron. And when I was working with tape, that's just something I would have never done. I don't know why. I never would have thought about why I wouldn't have done it. Um, but all of my work back then was very, like, um, detailed, and it was very lavish and very figurative or, like, still life. Um, so I've, yeah, re recently kind of decided to almost completely ignore what I think people are expecting me to do um, and maybe allow myself to not be super consistent and maybe allow myself to even be a little bit contradictory maybe and allow myself the freedom to um to not really have a very definite and concrete vision of what i'm doing i'm allowing myself to kind of make the works and then and then see what i've made rather than thinking oh well people will expect this from me so i have to make this or that kind of thing i think that's a that's a very very as a pro pro process that you kind of probably have to learn on that. not everyone but you know so for me it's i i think it's 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 a little bit similar at some point you come always to to an area in your work where you're i mean it's you know so you kind of have to liberate yourself from 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 the outside view you know of course you're doing this work to be shown and to be seen at exhibitions but i think work becomes stronger and 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 much more focused when you're 
when you're when you're getting rid of of that, when you're able to get rid of that, and you stop looking too much on it from the outside, but just you know, sort of immerse into it, and and basically just don't give a fuck, you know. And I think that's very yeah. that's a very important aspect of uh, you can see that with artists that are trying very hard, and it's not it's not I don't want to make them small or anything or feel bad about it. It's okay to think hard about things, and and especially in a in an artist practice. Um, but but it gets so much easier when you when you just um, when you just let go, you know. But that's that has also has a lot to do with experience. I mean, you have to go through phases, like you said, you have to do work differently, and then maybe throw everything overboard, you know. I think in my artistic career that it goes on for some for a while now. I've 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 done a lot of things that I'm not doing anymore, and that I've uh, gotten rid of, and there are certain there's a certain resource that I always can go to and that I kind of always implement. And, and, and it's not even about perfecting things. It's uh, sometimes about, you know, sort of look, I went in some parts, I went to carve really realistically, which is very hard, you know, cutting into wood and trying to get a smile or anything, everything that you cut is gone. You can't replace it. You can't erase it. And, and that was fun, but, I've gotten much, much rougher again because I'm not I'm not aiming for these things anymore. I just want to get the expression, the uh, people to understand what I'm doing in a completely different way. And I think that's that's what um that takes a lot of practice, you know, that takes takes some time. So um but is is it I mean the charcoal that that's a very I think there's a very interesting medium because it in a way it it seems, you know, sort of you limited yourself, but when you work with tape before, there's also a big limitation in working with tapes. But, um, but is it is it is your process that I mean, it, it for, for me personally, it doesn't look like you're working a lot in a sketchbook and prepare your paintings, but it's more um, you know, sort of you go to it, you have an idea and you start. How's 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 that how's that working for you? Yeah, I mean, yeah, there is limitations in just choosing charcoal, um, but. I, I think I like that. Um, I like to essentially not really know what I'm doing and learn through through making. Mm-hmm. And so the tape work that I was making was very precise and clean and detailed. Um, and with it being tape on glass, if something was in the wrong place, I could move it essentially. So I basically tried to pick the most opposite to that I could find. So charcoal on raw canvas. So if anything's in the wrong place, it's there forever. I can't paint over it because it's unprimed canvas i can't erase it um it's really messy very imprecise um so yeah so i like the process of exploring the medium and that discovery and that that naivety maybe exploring my own naivety with something so um so yeah so i think that's why i kind of chose charcoal um initially i i was painting in oils um and i still plan to keep doing that a bit but they're not really at the point where i would they're still experiments they're not really at the point where i would it would be worth showing anyone um they all just get cut up at the moment um and binned but um yeah i mean i used to work in a sketchbook a lot at the moment i'm not doing at all um i do do works on paper still um but yeah it's um yeah, I'm not really sure why. I think with with the tape drawings, they would take weeks um, to make, whereas charcoal is incredibly fast. Yeah. So I almost see the canvas as being a sketchbook now. I don't need to do the preparatory work that I would do previously. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe that's why. Yeah. And you do? Do you live in your studio? Do you have a studio where you work in, or is what's your situation there? No, currently I don't have a studio at all. So, um, so I split my time between London and Helsinki. Um, and in London, I've been using the garage in my house um, up until probably January. Um, and uh, my house is being sold now. So essentially, I'm still living here, but um, I've had to clear the garage out. Because I'm backwards and forwards to Helsinki, I've been in Helsinki for the past two months so i've been using the basement in helsinki but now i'm back in london i don't have a studio so i'm looking into that so helsinki it's um you have residency there you work there or no i don't currently have residency there my um fiance is from there so 
currently in the process of applying for a residency, but obviously okay. before before January, I didn't need it. So yeah, yeah. It's, it's it's probably pretty difficult traveling back and forth now. Yeah, yeah. So um, yeah. So when as an artist, and you know, you probably expected that question to come. It's it's you know, so pretty interesting. You your 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 friend Nick Thompson, your co partner at, at, yeah. at Delphian, he's also an artist, right? He's a photographer. Photographer, yeah. Yeah. And so, how did how where did that idea come from that you would go and venture into the gallery business? Because that's um, a step. Yeah. Again, that wasn't planned either. So, <laughs> um, in fact, all of my kind of career choices haven't really been choices. I've just fallen into them. But um, that's okay. <laughs> but Nick Nick used to run a magazine. Um, he was the editor of a magazine, and they did a feature on my first solo show. Um, and so I just met Nick that way. Um, and then, so that was two that that was like November two thousand twelve, and then December two thousand twelve, I curated a group show in the same gallery that I had my solo. Um, and because I'd met Nick from the, um, from doing the feature on my show, uh, I invited him to put some photographs in the show. We ended up hanging out a bit and then we just became friends. And then years later, um, we curated a group show in my studio. Um, and then years after that, we created this Instagram account called Delphian Gallery. And we just started posting artwork we liked. Um, and then it's just totally snowballed out of control and now it takes up like a good, a really good big percentage of my time. But, um, yeah, it was, it was much more that we just decided to like, obviously all our friends are artists and we, we have a real interest in art. So we were just sharing artwork that we liked mm -hmm. and then all of a sudden it's, it's become this thing. But again, so, that was never the plan. So the idea was not to like a, a gallery in the traditional sense, but more like a gallery, or, you know, sort of like an online gallery, like on our website or it's on Instagram, right? Yeah. I mean, we didn't even really think of it as a gallery. Mm -hmm. I mean, um, it was, yeah, there was no motive behind it or no, like, I think to begin with, we didn't even plan to do shows really. It was just like, we were just sharing this stuff that we liked. Um, and then obviously the more you do these things, well, you, the the deeper your interest becomes in it but also opportunities present themselves mm -hmm. um and so yeah so it's it's just built organically from where it where it began really so then you started but you but you did a couple of um physical shows i mean you say it's it's a, it's a nom nomadic gallery so you don't have a have a fixed space which you know sort of makes a lot of sense um especially in cities like london or <laughs> in the bigger cities yeah. because it's just you know super expensive uh to run a space um and but you did you did some some exhibitions probably with artists that you've you know sort of also discovered through through uh, through doing you know online presentations of their work yeah i think we've done 15 shows now right. 15 physical shows um so yeah so with each show we'll just partner with a space or we'll hire a space mm -hmm. um, we've got a show that's currently about to reopen at the Sartre gallery in london um and yeah we kind of roughly do a show every two months um i think for the past not included including covid year for the past few years we've done i think maybe seven shows a year so a, a little over one every two months that's a lot a lot to organize next to your you know your, your artist practice uh, yeah i mean the so the show we've got currently hanging at the Saatchi that we had like a week and a half to plan that they rang me on like the a Monday and they said do you want to do a show uh so I was like yeah sure before he gave me any of the details he was like right well firstly it's in one of the ground floor rooms which are absolutely massive I was expecting it to be in this basement room so it's a huge huge room and um and he was like oh and it needs to open in like nine days And so usually we'll have two months pretty much to plan a show because as soon as one show's hung, say the beginning of one month, we have like from that point two months till the next one opens. Um, but this one, when we had a, a week and a half, it was by far the easiest and least stressful show to organize ever. So, um, yeah, I think maybe maybe that's the way to go. Maybe just give yourself a really short time frame and then just during that during that little window of time, don't think about anything else and uh, get it done. 
Well, traditional galleries usually plan at least a year or, you know, I don't know, two, some even longer um, ahead. And that's, um, that is something that I find very difficult, especially in, in these, these times. I think it's, it's a lot easier yeah. um, to, to think about like, you know, like in a, in a project way, you know, what's really, what, because time moves so quickly and things move so quickly and, and that hasn't got nothing to do with COVID or anything. It's any time now that we're living in. If you think about uh, an exhibition you want to do, it would be great if you could realize it in the next four, five, six months, because you don't know what's happening in this time, and yeah. and um, and because things are moving moving very fast, fast. Also, you know, being spontaneous with this is also a really really nice aspect because if you plan too long ahead, you know, sort of you can't really. I mean, you find something that you think would be a good addition to this you know and yeah and, and i mean i think you 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 guys built a vast network um through delphian but also i mean this other um that's basically why i why i why i contacted you this week i wanted to speak with you i think already last week last year or so i think when you when you brought out your book because i found that very interesting and but then i uh um this this week uh one of the artists uh, um that uh, that was having a weekly takeover on that site so did um an, an excellent you know, sort of selection of artists, Rusudan, you know, oh, um, daily contemporary art, daily contemporary art. And it is one, one of the, the Instagram accounts you run, right. It's, it's yeah. also Delphine run. And so, um, that's kind of like doing, it's a kind of like doing an, an exhibition these days, every, all, all the galleries, everybody's trying to do some, some virtual, uh, gallery, which is basically the same to a normal gallery, except for the fact that people you know, can actually be there. And I think that is still yeah. very important for, for, for galleries and shows and art and the sales and all these things and bringing people together and connecting in a personal way, standing in front of an artwork. But if that doesn't work, I think this kind of takeovers, you know, is a, is a great way, you know, sort of to, to expand your, I don't know, your horizon in terms of which kind of artists are, are out there, because then you get all these different opinions. So basically every, week you have a different curator um running a show on this on this yeah. on this platform um, but that was the initial idea of, of delphin and then you moved it to the, the second account or yeah we created the daily contemporary art page first um and so we were sharing work that we liked on there um and then um i can't remember why but we were we were just really busy so we we kind of tested the idea of just giving the account to a different person every week. So we kind of thought, well, if we just keep posting on this, we're just going to keep, I mean, we have a limited scope yeah. of, um, of uh, like there's only a certain amount of things we can see and discover. So we thought, why not let other people post on it? There's going to be much more broad. Um, the, what, what, what is posted is going to be much more broad because it's going to have different people oh, posting yeah. every week. So, so yeah, so we that worked really well. So we then just continued that, and then we created this a sec. What was the second account? Mm -hmm. All right. So and um, and then this you know, the main reason I wanted to talk to you uh, talk to you last year was um, you released uh, a book that's um, with a bold name with a bold title, "Navigating the Art World," um, and. Um, I mean, I see the necessity for books like that, but where did the idea come from that you're going, you know, sort of that direction? What's what's the what's the uh, the intention is uh, probably understanding, but what was what was the, the what did you give give you the, the 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 push to do this this kind of book? I mean, it's a book with recommendations for artists by artists by people from the art world, right? It's it's a collection yeah. of opinions and um, theories. Yeah. I mean, at the risk of sounding like a broken record, that wasn't really a decision either. Um, that we kind of <laughs> I like it. I like that. <laughs> yeah. Um, so a few years ago, we did these uh, series of interviews where basically we wrote six questions, mm -hmm. and then we asked those questions, those same six questions, to about I think forty-five different artists. Um, and then when we got all the replies back, we mm -hmm split those up so that basically one question was answered by 45 people um, and then we posted them as blog posts so like one of them was like what um what's the best book you've ever read 
and then 45 people answered that. Um, and so, yeah, so we did that. And then um, I was in a print studio. We did a solo show with a guy called Bertrand Fournier um, a few years ago. And I, um, he cut some lino to make some lino prints for the, um, for the show. And uh, we brought them back to London. And I went to a print studio to print them for him. Um, and the technician in the, in the print studio came up to me and he was like, are these, is this Bertrand Fournier's work? I said, yeah, it is. And he was like, so you must be one of Delphian Gallery. I was like, yeah, I am. And so we got chatting. And it turned out he's a technician at the university that I teach at. Um, so another serendipitous kind of connection. Um, and, and yeah, and he was like, I'm starting, I'm launching this, um, this small publishers, if you have an interest, any interest in doing a book. So our original plan was to do, basically expand on those questions things um and ask more questions to more people and almost be like the editors of a book um and just so through the process of starting to think about and work on this book we started writing a lot of these essay style things um and we were doing a lot of uh reaching out to our followers through like instagram stories and stuff and asking what they wanted to know about the art world and so some of those questions we could answer and we wrote we wrote stuff for it some of them we couldn't so we went to other people who could so say for example collecting i don't really know what a collector wants so we spoke to klaus bush rispick who's a collector and so yeah we kind of tried to make it um very open and very like um diplomatic in terms of where this information was coming from and whatever um but we also didn't want it to be like one of these to-do list books that's like to be a successful artist do all of this stuff and you'll succeed we wanted to be very much like this is some stuff that we picked up hopefully it's helpful some of it might not be relevant you might disagree with some of it but here's just some stuff that might help mm -hmm. rather than us trying to act like an authority on anything yeah which is also i, I think it's it's impossible i mean you can i mean i i believe many artists young artists just turn to to your book and also probably to you as persons which they've they're also doing to people who are in the business longer or you know so trying to understand and find a way how to become successful in the art world um or you know and success is yeah, it's a big word. I mean, there's so many aspects of it. Success can be that you make exhibitions. You know, I think the 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 um, the expectations of every artist is also very different. Uh, there's definitely a lot of uh, people out there who, you know, their expectations to get rich um, and um, and famous. But I think if you're an artist, when you get exposure and you get seen and you get you know sort of recognition and respect for what you're doing, I think that's also a fair fair goal. You know. Uh, and probably the one that is a little bit easier to achieve. So I think a lot of artists are insecure and uncertain um, where this is gonna 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 lead them. I think that also has a lot to do with that. If you're going online, then you see, well, you see success, even though that doesn't necessarily have to be success. You know, you see people have a fantastic profile with lots of followers and maybe a nice studio and everything but they never sell work they never show at any gallery they don't get recognition beyond you know sort of this platform and um so i don't know i mean do you do you do do you do you feel that you could give um this kind of advice to people when they come to you i mean or do well, you just say okay. just read the book you know and make make your own choices or yeah, I mean, I wouldn't really even, I mean, I suppose the book, I suppose it kind of could be classed as advice, but I wouldn't really like to say that I am in a position to give advice to anyone. Like, I think um, no two people are going to have the same experience and no two people have the same intentions, the same desires and, and the same opportunities. So um, we didn't want to make a book that was like, we are experts, here is what you need to do, because... Um, that wouldn't work for everyone and also that's not everyone's intention like we we were we were careful to not say so we use the word navigate rather than say how to succeed because success is different to everyone yeah um so it's it's more of a i suppose guidebook maybe but um 
But yeah, we also wanted to expose a lot of the, like you said, like insecurities and stuff that people face because it's not just early career artists that that have those concerns. Like I know artists who sell for £20,000 a painting and they have all the same insecurities and worries about their own work and if if people are still interested or if if their work is sincere enough or if if they've become old news. I think everyone has these same concerns. And like you were saying with kind of social media and the image we present to the world, especially being an artist, I think it's often feels like you just have to present this image of like ultimate success. Like there's never any insecurities. There's never any like, um, it's just all plain sailing success because to say any different, I think people worry that maybe it might, it might make me look like, my work isn't desirable enough or, or whatever else. So, um, so I think artists, um, specifically artists more than, more than maybe any other, um, profession feel like we have to present this image of just success Mm -hmm. to everyone, but to an early career artist that can be really disparaging because obviously nobody no one's life and no one's career is perfect plain sailing the whole time but we present that image to people and so when 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 as early career artists we look at other people's careers we think why isn't mine like that or why why am i not selling out every show before it opens and why this and that so yeah we wanted to as well show that like it's it's tough and everyone everyone will experience that yeah, I think it's it's a, it's a it's a pretty fair point. I think that as in a it's it's this business also. It's the gallery business as well. I mean, you experience that too. I always call it as like we're in the in the in the business of everything's beautiful. Uh, even now in in these dire times, where I'm I'm, I'm very sure and convinced um, that a lot of galleries will have to close eventually um, or change. So completely and it's um you still have a lot of galleries especially who still you know sort of pretend everything's great and um and and it's not you know it's simple not no if your gallery is closed it can't be great <laughs> you know, it's, yeah. sorry yeah. i mean yes you might make still some sales yes you might make you know like in denmark you know i hear from galleries that they sell really well to the rich people who are in the summer houses now and are looking at their walls and thinking yeah maybe the consultant can come by and sell me more work but that's a pretty unique situation you know it's also a pretty it's a situation that only applies to very wealthy people you know so only to certain galleries so i think everybody's always trying to look brilliant and fantastic and great and uh, and i think you sort of i think that's basically you, you basically before with what you said, you've already given very good advice um, to artists. It's also okay that that things don't work out right now and that you are struggling. And I, for me personally, you know, I'm I'm old. I'm, you know, I'm 53 now. And I've been, you know, sort of, I still have the same insecurities so many times. I've run a gallery for almost 20 years. I've passed this on to my son now. So it's the next generation. He thinks completely different about many things. He doesn't have to make the same mistakes that I do, but he will do his own mistakes. Um, and, um, and he has a different enthusiasm that I have about all this. And frustration is, is an, a very important aspect in my daily life as an as an artist, um, nothing is still nothing is easy, you know. Um, but now I can turn all this energy into something sort of positive for me and my in my work and all these things. But when you're starting out, when you're a mid-career artist, when you're old, you know, and then there's always a struggle um, because it's something very personal that you're creating i mean if you're not just trying to look good you know that's the other aspect of course there's you can as an artist you can always just try to make something that everybody likes and look good okay that's fine there's also a generation of artists now because of the 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 constant visibility of 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 everything that you're doing or the potential visibility of everything that you're doing who are trying you know sort of to build a career upon that that's also good you know we'll see in a couple of years how that will work out um you're already seeing it you know sort of now it's there's a lot of people that are successful with 
yeah, I don't know, with imagery, with the visuals. Um, I think the biggest advice to artists is, you know, sort of try, you know, sort of try to find that in a voice, stay true to it and, and work on it, no matter what, you know, sort of people around you will say. It's, you, I mean, you, you can't just make these three phone calls and be somewhere. It's, there's always luck involved, a lot of luck. And, and I mean, you, you're doing, you're basing a lot of your, I mean, your, your art market business, like the Delphine Gallery, like the book and all these things, you're basing a lot of the success, you know, so building it from, from Instagram, which is, uh, which is a tool of today, you know, probably the number one marketing tool for, for everyone, but there's, what's it, what's it going to be in five years or 10 years? And also, you know, sort of where we have to question the, I don't know whether you're doing it, but I'm questioning, for example, uh, the, the the background of Instagram of all these beautiful creative people, you know, sort of giving away content for free. It's a discussion that we're going to have to, there's already, you know, up and running, but not very, it's not very strong voice because you don't want to, you know, sort of piss off the, 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 the community, but it's something that, you know, sort of, you know, needs, needs to be discussed, you know, like it's, it's like, it's like uh, Spotify, you know, Spotify is giving a little bit of money, at least to the artists that they've become big and, and rich with and Instagram, you know, so they, they basically, you know, I mean, the two side, the two Instagram accounts that you're running, it's something you can go to every day and you find beautiful content that somebody has created for free, <laughs> you know, and okay, you have a business model behind it and an artist is basically a business model as well. There might be the painting, one or the other painting that, you know, gets uh, gets gets uh, sold. And I understand that the gallery should be there and should also maybe even pay Instagram for for advertisement on there. It's fine. But as an artist, I think it's, it's something where you could consider finding some kind of revenue model, you know, um, and then I think it's also okay for an artist to say, well, I, I don't, I don't want to be there, you know, and you're still an artist, you're still continuing with that. But, but how important, how do you see the importance of something like Instagram when you're building a career as a young artist? Um, well, I mean, Instagram is a tool and it's nothing more. I think um, some people see it as being the be all and end all of the art world. And it's absolutely not that. Yeah. And it's in, in some ways it's quite damaging um, because it promotes um, there are certain types of artworks that work really well on Instagram and there's certain types that don't. Um, so, yeah, so, I mean, it's a tool and it can be incredibly beneficial, but also it is only a tool. So it's not the be all and end all. Um, but that being said, um, it is an incredibly powerful tool and it's a very, very useful one and I think any artist that neglects it is kind of shooting themselves in the foot a little bit because why wouldn't we use this this tool that is useful um but yeah I mean it's absolutely not the be all and end all of the art world and five years from now it could it could go the way that MySpace did um so I think whilst it's important to kind of um focus your time and energy on social media um, it's also important to um, bring, I think we talk about it in the book, and I think we call it bringing your community closer to home. So, um, and I think a really good way to do that is through email, basically through a mailing list. Um, there's a publisher called the Do Book Company, and they they wrote a book about mailing lists and how essentially mailing lists will be around forever because email will be around forever. It stood the test of time already. So. Um, so, so yeah, I mean, Instagram could disappear. They could, I mean, it's owned by Facebook now, isn't it? And and Facebook used to be the platform where everyone would share their work. And, and um, there's an artist called Lou Ross, franchised friend of mine, who who did really well in the, the beginnings of the Facebook days uh, in sharing his work and reaching a community and stuff. And likewise on Instagram. So he, he's, um, he, a couple of years ago, shared... Um, the data basically of of his reach on Facebook, and then they Facebook changed up how it worked because they wanted to drive people towards paying for ads, and it became way less useful. And people aren't really using Facebook now to promote yeah. their their work. So he shared what it went from in the past when it was really good to now. Um, and um, or actually, I think he he showed me that personally, but he did share the same for Instagram. 
So he used to um, get a lot more than he's currently getting, and it's because Instagram are are changing their algorithm all the time. Yeah. I don't know if algorithm is the right word. People use it interchangeably when it's not necessarily the correct word, but they're changing basically their system. And so it's becoming less, <clears throat> less powerful than it once was maybe. Um, they're limiting the reach of, of what you post. Um, so it could very easily become obsolete. Something could spring up and replace it essentially. Um, yeah. Yeah, I think this one we've said you mentioned the mailing lists and newsletters and emails. I think yeah, that's that's still strong and 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 important. Um, and then also you know sort of has changed. I mean, when Helium Cowboy in the beginning, our we built a newsletter base of like over. I think we had one one point we had twelve thousand subscribers to your newsletter, and then Facebook came, <laughs> and uh, and Instagram and all these things, and it it not away at our subscribers, you know, more and more unsubscribers. And then eventually, you know, sort of newsletter mailing list tools became better and better. So you could actually access who's actually still reading it. It was just going to spam or not opening it anymore. And, and then, then we did that. It's, you know, a couple of years ago. And then we cleaned out our newsletter list. And, uh, you know, thousands were gone you know which is okay you know because you yeah. don't want to reach those people and now for i think the past years we have a very very steady uh newsletter subscriber list there's always a couple of people subscribing always a few people unsubscribing but it's steady and we see that these people actually read what we're doing so when we you know sort of it always has to be you have to have several tires of course you know you have to have the mailing list but yeah you have to have instagram these days you have to have instagram and then there's a third thing that i've you know sort of always like to mention which i think is very important for 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 artists and which for example for this interview now helped me to prepare i can look on instagram and i can look what the galleries write about you but looking at your website you know shows me yeah. a little bit more about you know sort of you because that is you know i always say it's like building your house it's your foundation it, belo it belongs to you it's your you own it you know um and that i think is also you know sort of pretty pretty important thing yeah i think a lot of people now try and use that in their social media like mm. like their website like they use their instagram account in place of their website And the two are very different things and they both have very different attributes and they're both useful in different ways. And I think um, the best approach, because any of these could disappear really, is mm -hmm. to not use all of them. Like I'm not on Twitter or, well, I mean, I am on Twitter, but I don't really use it. I'm not on TikTok. I'm not on Pinterest. I'm not on loads of these things. Yeah. It's about choosing enough of them so that they all support each other without spreading yourself too thin and without unnecessarily neglecting any of them so say for example instagram is very useful so i use instagram yeah. Yeah. um tiktok isn't really read right for what i do because it's more video based so i don't use it but an artist who works in video mm -hmm. probably wants to be on there um so yeah i think it's about a combination of these things yeah. um and unfortunately having a career in anything um especially one where you are kind of the driver of your own business. Like any, any artist who wants essentially their hobby to become a career has to think of themselves as a small business, essentially. Mm -hmm. And, and when you think of yourself as a business, there's all of this admin that you have to take care of. Um, and so, so yes, yeah, so, I mean, it's, it's very tempting to just think, oh, well, I make, I make paintings, so I'm going to make paintings and people will, find them if they're good um, mm. but actually there's a lot of admin that goes into being able to even spend your time making paintings because if you're not unless you get picked up by a mega gallery really on in your career and they'll do all that for you you have to do it for yourself otherwise you're going to make paintings no one's going to see them and you're going to have to work another job um, so the and that was kind of one another reason why we decided to do the book was um, to try and make a lot of that admin easier because it's not something that's often talked about. It's not glamorous and exciting, uh, but it's necessary. And so um, the admin allows you to make more work because you can get to the point where maybe you don't have to work another job if you don't want to, or you don't have to spend hours and hours and hours doing something that with a little bit of understanding and a little bit of help, maybe you might be able to do a lot quicker. Yeah, I agree. Where, where, when, if anyone's interested, where can they get the book? Uh, I mean, 
you can get it from our website or you can get it from various bookshops and stuff. It's so in a lot of galleries as well, yeah, yeah okay. like the Tate and Saatchi and stuff. Oh, yeah, cool. Uh, so what's um, what's the next plans for Delphian? Um, well, the Saatchi show is going to open soon yeah. once we're allowed. Um, and I don't really know how much I'm allowed to say. We haven't really announced other <laughs> things. We've got... <laughs> We've got a few other shows. I mean, we've got all of 2020's shows to to do at some point. Um, and like so you, you said postponed earlier, all of them. You know, you just yeah, yeah, okay, cool. Yeah, like you. I mean, there was one group show that we did as an online show because we had to because it was like it was the 2020 open call mm -hmm. show, and we had to do a 2021 open call. So that one we moved online. But um, but yeah, like you were saying earlier, like it's because we essentially do plan like a year, a year and a half in advance, mm -hmm. then it's difficult because you then continue discovering really exciting things and you want to fit it in somewhere. So, yeah. So yeah, so we've got a few things coming up there. There might be some super soon. Um, but yeah, I mean, we've, we've got loads of things. But it depends happening. on the situation, of course. Now what's, yeah. uh, then um, the last question, what's, what's, um, What's next for, for the artist, Benjamin Murphy? Um, well, it depends whether you're listening to this podcast in the past or in the <laughs> in the future. But I have a solo show opening in May with Lychee One Gallery. Okay. Um, London? Yeah. So that was going to be an online show, online-only show. Um, but then COVID restrictions are uh, loosening up a bit. So it's going to open in the gallery for one weekend. Okay, nice. And then it's gonna so it's gonna be online for a month, but it is gonna have a little, a little COVID holiday for a weekend. Um, and I'm doing um, a group show uh, with this gallery called Gobstopper Gallery, which is based in Philadelphia. That'll be just online because of COVID. Yeah. And I'm doing a residency, hopefully in Holland in July. So COVID oh, nice. will say whether that happens in July or not. But um, yeah, everything. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, everything is uncertain right now. All right, but <clears throat> Benjamin, thank you for taking the time talking to me today. Um, no problem. Thanks for Very interesting. I mean, I, I probably don't have to recommend people to follow you guys because most of them that listen to my podcast probably follow you already. <laughs> but if not, then, you know, sort of uh, easy to find. Probably first entrance is, entry is Instagram, right? Mm. <laughs> uh, at Delphian Gallery. Um, yeah, thanks, uh, thanks for doing this. I enjoyed this uh, a lot. And... Um, yeah, all the best for the future of of your many ventures. Problem, thank you for the invite. All right, bye. Cool, see you later.